Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Good morning, church. How is Renew Life Church this morning? Are you well? Did you show up ready to help the preacher preach this morning? Okay, a few people. We'll get there. We'll get there. Hey, it is my honor to be here today. Excuse me while I open up my iPad that's also a television screen here today. Um, it's called being blind. Um, I couldn't wait to get here this morning. I, I, I so love this house. And um, I'm going to tell you my story at the end of the message today. But you all made a, a big impact on my life when I was here last year. And I couldn't wait to get back today. So I, I'm just believing that we're going to have a really, really, really great day, that Jesus is going to show up and do what only he can do, and I'm so glad that you're here today. I want to welcome, first of all, my wife, who's here with me. She wasn't here last time. Stand up and give the pastor's wife wave, if you will, Lindsay. This is my wife, Lindsay. We've been married for 13 years, and since I uh, do a lot of ministry on the road, you know, pretty much every weekend, that means uh, she's either spending her weekends with me, with permanent jet lag, or at home you know, raising our daughter, uh, and, and I just want to give her honor because she puts up with a lot of crazy doing ministry on the road, but we, we love to do it. I also want to give honor to your pastor and echo what he just said. Uh, when I walked in here nine months ago, I was here the first week of June last year. I'll never forget it. And when I was here, um, I, I knew that God had a plan, but God disrupted my life in an even greater way through your pastor, new chapter for us to sow into what we got to launch this last week, which is a brand new chapter for our ministry called Leading Second. So when I say I'm thankful for your pastors, when I say I love your pastors, that's not just traveling preacher, obligatory, get on with the message kind of talk. That comes from a very genuine place. You're, I've as met a pastor and a couple as kingdom-minded, as big thinking as high capacity and anointed to lead something very special as your pastors. And in case you showed up this morning with amnesia, I just wanted to remind you, you are some of the most blessed people on the face of the planet to have pastors Braden and Leanne as your pastors. And you ought to thank God every single Sunday and every single day. Come on, why don't you do that? Thank God. Thank God for your pastors because he's been so good. And I honor you today, friend, for for investing into us. And um, anyways, we got to launch this weekend a new chapter in our ministry called Leading Second. It's a ministry for everyone that serves someone else's vision. So in a church setting, it's every young leader, church staff member, everyone that serves on the team here. That's not the pastor. We we lead under unique dynamics when we lead from the second chair. And so Lindsay and I are sticking our necks out there, just believing that God will open up some doors for us to help. In fact, my, my dream is I want to coach personally a thousand leaders through Leading Second. And I just feel like the kingdom would be better. Like, I, I think that's something that would make a dent. I don't know if, I don't know if that's big or small. Um, it just feels big to me right now. Uh, so if you'll join us and help us uh, pray and believe God for impact through that, you can follow us on Instagram at Leading Second or LeadingSecond.com. You can head to our website and we're just getting started. We have a, actually, spoiler alert, have a podcast, our first podcast episode dropping tomorrow, uh, which we're really excited about. So um, God's been so good. Will you stand to your feet with me for just a minute? Sorry, I know that you just probably got comfortable. 
I have to stand for like 35 minutes, so uh, I'm going to make you stand for like two. How about that? Uh, how many of you ready for the word this morning? Did you come ready to receive a word from God? I hope you did. I hope you did. There's, there's something that happens. I don't know how it works, but there's something that happens when we open up this word. And this morning, I'm just going to warn you, I didn't come to give you a safe message, okay? I didn't come. I didn't leave my daughter at home, and I didn't get on an airplane and, and um, go through jet lag and all that again this morning um, just to come here and get comfortable. I don't believe Jesus and gave his life and, and came to earth and hung on a cross and gave his life and rose again to make us safe. I think he came to make us dangerous. I think he came to make us a threat for the kingdom, to the kingdom of darkness, because Jesus is on a mission. He's doing a work, and this church is playing a part of that in this city. And so this morning, I just came to speak into that space. And if you would this morning, I would just ask that you'd open up your heart. I may not know your name, and I may not know your story, and I may not know your background, and I may not know what you might be carrying into the room this morning. Um, but I know Jesus, and I know his story. And I can promise you this morning, his story is more than enough for your story. And his, and his story has a way of upending your story if you'll let it today in the best possible way. So all over the room, anyone that's comfortable, would you lift up a hand or maybe even both hands to heaven this morning? And why don't we just prepare our hearts this morning to receive something from Jesus today. Jesus, we love your word. We've worshiped you. We've honored you this morning. Now we open up our hearts to receive a word from God today. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are capable of taking one word and breaking it up a couple thousand different ways, Father, so that we would have um, something, exactly what we need walking out of this room this morning. I just pray you'd speak to every heart. I pray you'd speak to every life. I pray that you would do a miracle in this place today. I pray, Father, that today someone in this room would never be the same by the power of God today. We lean into you today. We clear the distractions. We clear the noise. We clear the clutter. And we say, have your way in Jesus' name. And all God's people said a big amen. Amen. All right. You can take your seats this morning. Thank you. As my daughter makes me say every morning when we're driving into school, we pray. We get done praying on the way into school. She says, Dad, you got to say it. She makes me say, everybody in the car said, amen. How many of you know that's a pastor's kid right there? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read out of the ESV. It says this, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. One says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If you want to give this message a title this morning, you can title this message, Let Us Also. Let Us Also. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, Let Us Also. And turn to your second choice neighbor and say, Let Us Also. 
<laughs> and apologize. <laughs> so, you a challenge. I came to offer a challenge out of my own wrestle in my faith, maybe over the last year. Today, I want to talk to all of you about some of you. You see, virtually everyone in the room this morning will receive something from God, will be affected by church this morning and by the gospel. But every once in a while, we come to church where we're not just affected, but we are infected by the gospel. And for some of you this morning, this is what's going to happen, is that a thought for Jesus and his kingdom is going to lodge so deeply into your spirit that you'll never be the same walking out of here today. And I actually came with a very bold but simple challenge. And I'm going to risk some of you not understanding, some of you even maybe thinking I'm a bit nuts, for the shot at talking to some that may be here that today when you walk out of here, you'll realize I walked in one way, but I'm walking out someone completely different. You see, this is what happens when we gather. It's the great work of the church, a work among all, and yet sometimes a work among few. For some of you today, the cost of coming to church will mean the gas you used in your gas tank to get here, the time away from home, the time out of your day. But for others of you, Jesus may speak to you and the cost may be far greater. It may require, he may ask you to change something. He may ask you to step out and take a step of faith this morning. He may ask you to take a risk for the kingdom this morning. You may receive a new assignment from God for what he's called you to do to make your life count for him. And I actually came with that kind of faith this morning. I want to bring to you a simple challenge about Jesus and about his church. I believe that Jesus and his church are really the, the one thing on planet Earth around which everything else sit, the evolves, around which the purposes of God sit, the existential crisis of every person on planet Earth is to find something to live for that's worth dying for. And if you're like me and you're here this morning, I believe you want your life to count. I mean, I woke up this morning, my life's not perfect, your life's not perfect, but I woke up this morning with the fire in me that I want to make my life count for the kingdom. I want to do something in my life that is significant for Jesus. Rooftops away from your church. You see, the truth of the matter is today that there are people that woke up rooftops away from your home, rooftops away from this building, dying to know Jesus. I mean, your life may not be perfect today. You might be facing something tough, but let's be honest. We get to face the toughest things in the world knowing the hope of our Savior, the hope of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. So think about the person in this city, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, someone around you that woke up this morning but didn't wake up with the same hope that you have. And to me, while one person remains in this city that doesn't know Jesus, our work continues. And we have an assignment. 
We have a mandate. I believe one of the reasons God is blessing this church and God is favoring and, and, and hovering his, his blessing on this house. I believe that he has an assignment on this house, a mandate on this house to take his gospel to the places of the city that desperately need to know the hope and the saving love of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we all get to play a part in that today. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read this verse that many of us have read many times before about the great cloud of witnesses and let us run with endurance the race that's marked out before us. The writer here is writing to a group of believers that are under extreme persecution. You see, what's happened is the event has happened. Jesus has risen. The, the, the church has been born. And this changed everything. To the people that would come to put their faith in Jesus, this meant forsaking a lot of their upbringing, a lot of their identity. It meant sometimes a very difficult road, but they did it because of the hope that Jesus had born on the inside of them, but the, the earliest believers often lived in under great pressure and under great persecution, so much so that many of them were tempted to return back to traditional the system of, because this Christian thing was too hard. The system of grace and the gospel had come, and it was threatening to upend every structure of power in the world politically, religiously, in society. And if we're honest today, this, this clash of culture that the early church experienced in many ways, we're a clash of culture race all over again in our world today. I mean, if there hasn't been a clash of culture recently, I don't know what one looks like. And if the church hasn't met certain opposition culturally and isn't under attack culturally, then I don't know what it looks like. So to me, we can, we can take some thoughts from the writings here of the early church and apply them to our life. And the, the writer issues one challenge to the early church here. Let us also. Let us also, and so this morning, I guess I just stand up to you today to issue the same challenge to you. Let us also. Let us also do what? Well, Hebrews chapter 12 starts with the word, therefore. The word therefore is a connecting word. That means to understand what the writer is about to say, we have to understand what the writer previously said. So to understand Hebrews chapter 12, we have to therefore go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is the great hall of faith. You've probably read this chapter before. This is the chapter where the writer meticulously goes through name by name, heroic act by heroic act, the people up to that point, some of the great fathers and heroes of our faith, and recounts the stories of their life and the ways that God used them to begin to write his story on planet Earth, this redemptive story that he set out to do in the lives of his people. And I guess I bring this up this morning because I feel like sometimes at church, 
We arrive at church on a Sunday forgetting about this thing that we're a part of when we're a part of the church. You showed up this morning, and this is so much more than a church that's been around a few years here in Midland. You know, that church over on that street, that church with the banners outside. This is so much more than even the move of God that began to our generation. When we're here as a part of the church, we're a part of the great move of God that began 2,000 years ago by some of the most selfless and sacrificial people on the planet. And we are living in the aftershocks of their faith and of their obedience. And I think the writer was trying to get to this when he said, you may receive opposition. And you may experience persecution, and it may not always be easy. ...of the incredible and ourselves when things get tough, and it requires endurance. Let's remind ourselves of the incredible legacy and the incredible heritage that we have as God's people. We're, we're a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And as I've traveled the last five or six years, I've traveled pretty much full-time and just given our lives to serve as an extension of my pastor and our home church to, to serve anywhere that we could and build churches anywhere that we could. And God's been so good and so faithful. As I've gotten out into North America and looked at the landscape of the church, I feel like I've seen something emerge. And I believe that too many believers are sitting on the sidelines of their faith, sitting there observing rather than actively participating. I believe too many churches have been infected with a spirit of consumerism. Consumerism being the idea that we show up to get rather than to give. Nothing great has ever been done for God built on the backs of consumers, but rather the consumed. The people that showed up willing to leverage everything that the gospel would move forward on our watch, and God has designed us as his children and as his people to get out of the grandstands, to get off the sidelines, and to get on the playing field because he designed you with a race not just to run, but a race to win. Every single person in this room is stamped with destiny, is marked with purpose. There is an assignment from heaven on every single person in this room. There's something unique that God wants to do in your life and through your life to see the kingdom move forward on our, on our watch, the question I have for you is, will you also? In light of this great legacy that we're a part of, will you also? The writer in Hebrews 11 goes through these acts of faith. Abraham and Noah and Daniel and Rahab. And you go through the great men and women that it lists, too many to list, in fact. In verse 38, it says this, the world was not worthy of them. And I told you, they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. I told you, you think I was crazy here in just a minute. This is not your typical Sunday morning verse. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with men would they be made perfect. Do you see that? That the great men and women and heroes of our faith leveraged their life and did their part, and yet their part is incomplete without us. 
Do you know what the gospel simply is? The gospel and the church has simply been the chain reaction of one act of obedience after another, after another, after another, serving as a giant ripple from the event that changed all of history until this day. And we are standing here today, not just as believers that happen to show up in this moment and in this building. We're actually standing on the shoulders of generations that have gone before us who have paved the way for us to have our moment, for us to have our day. And then the writer says, therefore, since we're surrounded by all this, let us also. Let us also. You want to know the truth about our faith? Is that you're saved by works. You're saved by works. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking that's heresy. Let me explain. Our salvation comes through grace and through faith alone. There's nothing you can do and nothing you have done that will ever earn your salvation. It is a free gift from God for you. So our salvation comes by faith and by grace, but we became aware of it through works. Not our works, somebody else's works. In other words, the works, think about the person that introduced you to Jesus. It was their, not just their faith, it was their obedience that paved the way for you to have the hope that you have. Think about the people that went before you and gave so that this church could exist. Think about the people that even showed up early this morning and set the table and put out the instruments and the lights and the children's classrooms and the hospitality. Just, just think about it. Somebody else's works, somebody else's obedience made way for you to be aware of this free gift of salvation. So we're, we're saved by faith, but we're also saved by works. It's not our works, someone else's works. Someone else that went before us this morning. I, I, I know I'm proud for us to have the faith and hope in Jesus that we have. Is this all right this morning? I, I, I know I'm probably stepping on toes. Um, but like I said, I wanted to come and bring a challenge to you today. I'm amazed at the early church. The early church is the greatest miracle that ever happened. And by the way, if you need a miracle in your life today, the, the best thing you can do is just participate in what God is already doing which is building his church. The church was founded by men and women who had personally been recruited by Jesus and left three we see how to follow him. In Acts chapter 3, we see how the power of God came on his people. And on that day, they rushed out in the streets. They couldn't be silenced. They risked exposure. They risked their lives. This wasn't a safe move. But they rushed out at that moment and Peter stood up and, and proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. And on that day, some 3,000 people became believers. And from that moment on, it has never stopped. And not a day has gone by since then where someone hasn't been added to the church. The early church in its first 40 or 50 years saw very quick expansion. The, the church expanded at a phenomenal rate in its earliest years. It sprang 
up in most major cities of the Roman Empire and was transformed from being a tiny sect of Jewish rebels to something that was to be reckoned with. As the church became, became established, its very message threatened to upend every system of power religiously, politically. It threatened the empire. It threatened the religious leaders. And therefore, the people in power of that day who were comfortably in power went to work to try to snuff out this movement. But they would not be successful. Even at the risk of their lives, the people of God began to simply show up every day with an act of obedience and that chain reaction is what we're living in today. The first martyr recorded in the Bible is a man named Stephen. And his life was taken from him on the day where he stood up in a city square and declared that the gospel was not just for the Jews, it was for everybody. It was for the whole world. That was heresy in their day. It cost him his life, but we're here because of him today. On that day, standing in that crowd was a man named Saul. And Saul was actually the leader of the gang that persecuted the church. So Saul was actually the one that had involvement in putting him, that first man who would give his life for the kingdom, putting him to persecutor of the church. What we all Saul lived his life as the great persecutor of the church, but we all know the story. One day on a road, Saul had an encounter with God. And the persecutor, Saul, had his name changed to Paul, who would end up being the great builder of the church. Maybe the person, the single person to do the most for the church besides Jesus. He would end up, he, would, he was perfectly positioned because of his citizenship, because of his education, because of his status. He was perfectly positioned to take the church into new places. There was one day where Paul had to risk his life. The man who used to put people to death. Now, he risked his life one day, rushing out into the square, declaring the good news of Jesus. And on this particular day, he was stoned. They dragged his body outside the, the, the city, the Bible says, because they thought he was dead, but he wasn't. And most people, if they end up in that situation, they wouldn't go back. But that's not the nature of the gospel because the kingdom keeps moving and the kingdom's worth fighting for. And Paul, on that day, after coming near death, risked, got up again, stumbled to his feet, and marched straight back into the city and did the same thing that he had just risked his life doing because he loved his city, because he loved Jesus, because he loved the kingdom and wanted to see the kingdom move forward. This happened in a city called Lystra. There's a young man the Bible talks about named Timothy. Timothy was also from Lystra. And he was raised by a Christian mother, so it's highly likely that Timothy was aware of this going on. It's highly likely Timothy saw all of this. Imagine the faith that it built in the young man Timothy. Seeing early church for the kingdom of God, Timothy would be raised up. 
to be one of the great leaders in the early church. He would become Paul's main protege. I hope you're seeing this this morning, that these acts of faith begin to happen at a rate that, could, that would only be recorded in heaven. Some of the most selfless and sacrificial people that have ever walked the earth were people in the early church, and they did it for us. They did it because this thing was too good and too powerful to somebody else. Then they knew, if I can just get the gospel out to somebody else, to somebody else, to somebody else, this thing has a shot of moving into new areas and new territories, and the kingdom of God will be established. For the next several hundred years, the, the church would go through rounds of persecution, and it would go through, it, it fought against adversity, but it was never snuffed out, and it was never stopped. It, it, it fought against corruption. It fought against division. It fought against theological differences, but it always remained because the church is too great and the church is too strong. More recently, it became the mission of the church to get the printed Bible into the hands of the common man. You see, for hundreds of years, we didn't have this printed. We didn't have this easily acceptable, accepted. And, and the only people that had access to the Scripture were the religious leaders themselves, which then lent itself to corruption. They could teach whatever they wanted to teach, and no one else would have any knowledge of what was in this book. But then a band of believers started risking their lives and, go, and again, upending power to get this thing printed so that it could be in the hands of of every believer, they smuggled this across borders. They risked their lives getting this into different languages, new languages. In fact, the man, William Tyndale, who would end up putting the Bible into English and printing it, ended up even being burned at the stake. Fire started with kindling made of his own Bibles. But he did it. And now today we have this. Why, why am I talking about this? I think my word, we're talking about martyrs on a Sunday morning. You see, we live in a day and an age where we're very disconnected from this. We're very disconnected from those stories. And we live in a day where most of us, all of us, maybe, will not face physical threat for our faith. We live in a blessed nation where we get to preach and build the church freely. And we get to worship in freedom and we get to worship in safety. But the safety of worship make us safe. He came himself to the safety of our Christian living. But Jesus didn't come to make us safe. He came to make us dangerous. He came to light a fire for the gospel so deep inside of each of us that we, on our watch, in our generation, with our means, would do everything we can to see the gospel move forward on our watch. Let's read it again. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud, of witnesses, endurance. Let us also, let us also run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. My challenge to you this morning is will you also? Will you also? Your contribution to the kingdom and mine might be totally different. 
But the beautiful thing about the kingdom is that we all can receive the same reward. Well done, my good and faithful servant. When we find our lane and when we run our race, I wonder what your next step is for Jesus this morning. Like, I thank God that you were obedient to him yesterday. What might he ask you to do today? For someone in the room, it might mean stepping out and starting a small group. For someone in the room, it might mean stepping out and joining a team and serving, not just showing up at church to receive, but showing up at church to give, to make the way for somebody else. For someone in the room, it might mean giving sacrificially. Thank God for the grace of giving that's on this church. And I believe your generosity will always be your strength, and yet there still could be someone here that that's your next step. It could be, your next step could be something like inviting someone to church, not just inviting someone to church, bringing someone to church. Like filling the seat next to you. Making a commitment saying every single weekend, I'm filling that seat. I'm not coming to church because the gospel's here under my care right now. It's under my watch. I'm going to do everything possible to fill this place up while one person remains that doesn't know Jesus. I wonder what your next step is. It might mean calling someone and making amends and forgiving them when they don't expect it, when they don't even maybe deserve it, because that's what the gospel does. And that's who Jesus is. My question for you today is, will you also? Imagine if some of the great people of faith didn't show up for their moment. Does anyone in the room know the name Mordecai Ham? Anyone know that name? It's not as the night Billy Graham gave it last week. Mordecai Ham was the one who was preaching the night Billy Graham gave his life to Jesus. Billy Graham would go on to preach to, it's estimated, over 2.2 billion people. 2.2, can we wrap our minds around that number for, the sec, for a second? And 2 billion, imagine if Mordecai Ham said, I'm a little tired tonight. I don't feel like going to the meeting. Just, just think about it. I'm not saying God wouldn't still have his way. I'm just, it's just an interesting thought to me. I think back to myself, to the youth leaders that impacted my life. I think back to the, to the mentors that encouraged me. Like, I just wonder, they had, they occupied their for. Who's next for me to encourage, for me to spend my life for? I'll wrap up with this story. Last year, when I was here in June, I was wrestling with a really big idea that very few people knew about. Something that would serve to upend our entire ministry. It meant completely reworking our lives. It meant I was going to have to stick out my neck and raise probably over $100,000 when it was all said and done. It was, that may not be a big number to you. To me, it was a staggering number. And, um, but it meant being able to do something for the kingdom. And so my wife and I started, it was actually when I was here back in June, your pastor encouraged me very specifically on a Sunday night, gave me a first gift and said, basically, get going, do this. And I walked out of here. And since that day on, I've woke, woke up every single morning in an attempt to be obedient to that call, that led us into incredible blessing. It also led us into incredible resistance. It led us into to the, 
the craziest opposition at times we've experienced in our marriage and in our lives, and yet we felt God was with us. And this last Monday night, I got to stand up and share with our supporters and key people in our world our new dream. And it's just our step that we're taking to try to do something for the kingdom, to try to do something that churches would be healthier and would be stronger. And I guess I'm just wondering what other dreams might be in this room this morning. What might be on the other side of your obedience? And what might be on the other side of your faith? I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I'm just telling you Jesus will be with you. Because what Jesus does is he builds his church. And whenever you take and scoop up the substance of your life and the things of your life, whenever you take that and offer it to him as a sacrifice, he just has this way of multiplying it and doing obedient. And it might be large. He's not calling us to be perfect. He's calling us to be obedient. To simply answer the call. So my question for you today is, will you also? As we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, Will you also? It might mean something very practical. It might mean something very small. And I'll close with this statement. I started today by saying that I was going to talk to all of us about some of us. But there's this thing that happens. There's this for all of us. It's when what should happen for some of us actually happens for all of us. It's called Revival. It's called an awakening. When the people of God come alive with the purposes of God and leverage everything they have for the kingdom, God is able to do something great on our watch for his kingdom. Will you stand to your feet with me today? Will you also? With no one leaving, I want to hold us just for a minute. Because the presence of God is so here, and I believe God is speaking. And right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, every person in prayer, anyone that would, anyone that's comfortable, would you lift up your hands to heaven this morning? Would you just go with me before God? If you, if you receive this word into your heart, if you receive this word into your life, would you just go with me to God with an open heart for just a minute? Jesus, would you come and speak to us today about the next step you have for us to take. I thank you, God, for men and women that have been faithful and served in this house and obeyed you. But God, I just ask today, what what more do you have for us? What more do you want us to do? What could be on the other side of our obedience and of our faith? And God, we thank you today for your church. We thank you for this incredible heritage and this incredible legacy that we're a part of today, God. We realize we don't stand here alone. We're standing on the shoulders of giants that have gone before us. And God, in view of all of that, we just make our lives available today and we ask that you would speak to us today. I ask that someone in the room would be absolutely infected today with something you're calling them to do for your kingdom. I ask, Father, that as they walk this out, I pray that they would experience your blessing. I pray they would experience your favor. It might be something little. It might be something big. But I pray, Father, that you would find among us today hearts that are willing, hands that are ready to do something for your kingdom. Even in the midst of adversity, even in the... We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You are 
writing the story and you are finishing the story. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.